Um, hello, everybody. It's your old friends of Monday Madness, and welcome to a uh, very special episode of the That Was Liquid Football podcast. <laughs> so it's just myself and Burkbot starting off. Uh, we're hoping to have a Neil, uh, who's uh, just playing fashionably late at the moment. Um, I think he's in a different a time zone. Yeah, I think he's in a different time zone uh, because of the Euros, you know. So um, I think he's working on uh, Azerbaijan time. So we could be waiting a while for this for him to pop in. But um, while we are waiting for him, uh, Burkbot, we are going to... Uh, Get chatting about the Euro 2020 plus one tournament that uh, just yeah. ended on Sunday. Um, we've given ourselves a bit of time to digest it, to talk, to think about it, to uh, mull over how fucking close we were to football coming home. And <laughs> delightfully, much like in Beyond Belief Factor Fiction, it never happened. It's a total <laughs> fabrication. Um, but I suppose we better start off by talking about the tournament. Burkbot, did you enjoy Euro 2021? 2020 plus one. 2020 plus one. Uh, yeah, I I really enjoyed just having football again. Um, yes. And uh, proper football this time as well. With crowds to- to- tournament football with crowds. Like mm. I think that was probably the, um, the the best bit about it was kind of getting the kind of fan atmosphere back into the stadium. Um, yes. And it, like you know, people can kind of write off. Like, oh, it doesn't make that much of a difference to the viewing experience at home. But, like, it absolutely does. Like, um, it does. I, I think it ups the tempo um, of the matches. And international football doesn't tend to be the highest of tempo anyway. But uh, can you imagine what some of those matches would have been like if there had been no crowd to jeer them on or to boo them? <laughs> or, you know, like some of the matches I were painful. Like, yeah. I'm, uh, like, I'm thinking Spain, Sweden, nil all. Um, back in the early group stages and everyone thinking that's going to be a great game and it was not. Um, mm. and it's like, and that was with... the in fairness, like, even if our favourite matches later on, but like that yeah. match will not be brought up in this conversation. Well, I, I purposely brought this up just to kind of point out the fact that at least there was fans there. Can you imagine yeah. how bad it would have been without it? Um, and yeah, like even though England did well, which we no one likes to see, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> it was quite entertaining. We had like the rivalry between the the home nations, as as it were, um, yes. right from the beginning. Uh, we had kind of breakaway favourites. Um, we had just bizarre, um, this bizarre feature of VAR being work you know like being, being good. you know competent yeah yeah uh, and being used well um mm. and, and i'm not saying if every every decision was correct and every use of var was correct and got the right decision but it was definitely of a higher standard than what we were <laughs> used to in the, premier, used league. In the premier league yeah so, exactly. um yeah i have i absolutely enjoyed it um it would have been absolutely amazing to have uh Ireland in it I think mm-hmm. we would have brought a lot to it or not even if our team hadn't qualified but if we've been able to host a few matches it yeah. is just really unfortunate we didn't have that opportunity because COVID and our government messed everything up so yeah um enough about that how did you find it um I'll be honest like again I'm kind of mirroring what you're saying there in a sense where like I'm just so happy to see some football you know kind of way where like and don't get me wrong, whenever there's a football tournament rocking around and it's like it's it's free to view and it's on every day, 
I'll jump into it. Like I'm the same with the Women's World Cup and with normal World Cup. If the Copa Libertadores was on at a, at a reasonable time, <laughs> we'd be watching that as well. So like it's the, sorry, Copa America, not the Champions League, apologies. But it's the same thing. Like I, I do love a bit of tournament football, even though the football is never necessarily the best quality. But I think that's the charm of it, you know, is that like you will get these kind of like really weird and quirky teams that are maybe not playing the best football, but you like them. There's something about them, you know, kind of way. Yeah. And yeah. you pick your own kind of personal favorites from that. And as well as we kind of, uh, we might, might talk through them uh, in the show tonight. But um, but like I said, we're not gonna we're not gonna go too in depth, obviously, because like the group stage is like fucking a month ago, so there's no point bringing them up. But I suppose we might bring up some kind of like as it were personal highlights from it, if you like. So like, yeah. Um, I suppose like from Group A wise, I suppose the big story was that Italy just steamrolled all the poor fuckers in that tournament. I- I am absolutely fuming I didn't put money down because I remember saying to you at the like at the outset of the tournament like oh I fancy Italy to do well here and I had every intentions of putting a few bob on Mm. uh, you know um, and I didn't I I literally went into town because I don't do online betting or anything like that and I was going to go into just the bookies um, and I, I got distracted by coffee, as is my way, and I never made it in. And then I came home and I went, oh, that. I'm not going back out again. And that was <laughs> the end of my bet and the end of any chance of me winning money because I looked oh. up the um, the odds and I would, like, if I put a fiver down, I would have got something like 65 back. Like, not amazing yeah. odds, but, like, you know, something decent. It's fucking and, something. Um, yeah, you wouldn't say notes, but, like, I mean, I, I love the fact that yes. like this is how bad of a better you are. Is the fact that like you have a, a a slight inkling that someone might win, but do I really want to put my shoes on again? Uh, no, yeah. yeah, and I don't want to download <laughs> nap. No, fuck. <laughs> that is my mindset. That's it. Um, I suppose on the opposite side, I suppose um, we might kind of give a little hat tip here to Turkey, who a lot of people kind of fancied going in was their dark horses because they saw the name, names in the team. And a lot of like Turkish players individually have had really good seasons because like three of them like won the league on title with Lille. Um, they have a they had in theory a great like defense in Soyuncu with Kavak and um, and it just all fell apart. They were just really fucking terrible. <laughs> they were, yeah. Yeah, they were really bad. Um, I, I like I remember like everyone being so hyped as to, to have Turkey as their dark horses. Um and it, yeah, mm. they were shocking. <laughs> That's it. They made like, Wales yeah. look good. They did. They 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 put you over, <laughs> and it, they put them over in a sense. But um, but yeah, like even Wales got something out of it, out of that group, which says a lot about Turkey, and and the, and the Wales team to their credit actually were a lot better than I thought they were going to be this year. Um, to their, to their, in fairness, because they finished actually second in that group, but Switzerland had to be the uh, the uh, third wheel in that group in the end, um, which is uh, which actually in a sense probably served them better. If, as we as we talk about the last sixteen, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Group B obviously was was kind of streamrolled by by by, by Belgium and uh, the other three teams were kind of playing for scraps. So the, as well, we can't really not talk about um, this tournament and talk about Group B as a whole after what happened with to the Danish team and what happened in the game against Finland. So we're not going to dwell too much on that, obviously because Christian Eriksen is now doing very very well. He's he's recovered a lot from it, but. Um, I think it goes without saying, it was very scary scenes watching it happen, watching it play out live. It was very, very scary. I was on my first trip out um, for a meal um, 
in this in these COVID times. And mm-hmm. I was with a group of friends who have absolutely no interest in football, and they cried in despair when they realised my seat actually allowed me to view the football, which meant I was now lo- no longer going to be part of the conversation with them at the table. Um, <laughs> and I I did make an effort because I was like, oh, it's Denmark and Finland, like. I, I'd imagine it was going to play out to be a 1-1, nil-nil kind of a game. It had that kind of a feel to it. Um, I wasn't too buzzed about watching it. Um, but anyway, I was watching it and out of the corner of my eye, I saw Ericsson go down. And mm. I, I saw a player go down. And yes. when I looked up, I was like, Ericsson, oh, typical spud, throwing himself down, looking, oh, no, that doesn't look right. No. Um, and they showed a replay just of uh, like a very distant shot of him going down off the ball. And I went, no, that's not him play acting. Something's gone on there. Yes. And the, um, the reaction, the players, reaction, the crowd, the waiter who was serving us our food was like, what's going on? I was like, Christian Eriksen's gone down. So I was then feeding all like the information to the bar and as they were like should we turn off the tv and I was like I think so I think you should turn off the tv it's like you know it was that kind of morbid um people wanted to know if he was okay but uh yeah it was it was tough but I you know collectively the girls at the table who have absolutely no interest in football were like who's Christian Eriksen why why is that a big deal or why is that a bigger deal than if it was any other player and yeah. I was like it's not it's not necessary it's just that he'd be more well known than a lot of the players on either of those teams so um yeah uh basically it was just it, I'm, I'm so glad it worked out well but mm. I've never seen obviously the crowd joined in together and they were clapping him and they were cheering for him and the Both Finnish fans, incidentally, they brought yeah. in the Finnish fans getting into it, which is brilliant, absolutely brilliant, uh, fantastic. But I, even in the pub, then um, they turned on the TV um, after the coverage had been cut, mm. and uh, when they came back on, it was the, the RT studio talking, and the bar was silent, and everyone just waiting for an update. And uh, even people who have no interest in football were now invested and wanted Denmark to go and when the match was then like said oh they're going back out and playing the match mm. like they the whole bar they're like watching it and invested and yeah um it's one of those things that thankfully it worked out for the good but it is one of the things that shows you how football can be so unifying and I think we'll talk about how divisive it can be as well but there's an yes. example of how unifying it can be yeah, it's, it's it's very well put in a sense because, like, in a way, like that's that was always kind of the the kind of mission statement of this Euros was that how actually like, you, you're bringing the tournament to different cities, you're bringing the football to these places, and like in theory, as you said, we were meant to have it ourselves. Bucharest was meant to have it, I think, and so was um, Bilbao. So there was like two Spanish, like but Catalan and Spanish as well, and obviously all um, all great intentions, but uh, a pandemic does very much ruin things like that, particularly if you want to travel around Europe doing it. Um, but to the credit, they, I think they did do very well um, doing, making work with what they had. And this is a great example of it because if, he, if I'm not mistaken, that match happened in Copenhagen. So this was a, a huge, like even like incident in Everton, right? But the fact that it happened in front of Danish fans, this is the first time the Danish fans would have seen their team playing in front of them for months at this stage. Um, it's pretty heavy stuff. 
you know, especially with, with all the great intentions of bringing the tournament to them. And this is what they see in front of them is a little bit like, as you said, it's very morbid. But um, I suppose we can say it now that like, you know, obviously everything is fine and he's and he'll make a, a, a good recovery. Um, I, I would imagine his career is over, of course, but I think that's, that's secondary now at this rate to, uh, <laughs> to anything else. So um so so we we leave it there, um so group C wise um group C was a fun old group all the same I don't know if you if you thought the same way, because um, we had the Dutch in as a, as a top seed but we also had like yeah. two very maverick teams in in three maverick teams I should say in in um in Austria Ukraine and Macedonia now I think Macedonia were a little bit hard done by to be bottom of the group because I thought they were actually did give it socks like I think they just didn't have the players like. I, yeah, no, they were the plucky uh, kind of underdogs that yeah. everyone had a soft spot for. Um, I just love they picked up a cone and they had to catch the ball with the cone like an ice cream. I saw that, yeah. Um, that I, <laughs> um, yeah, no, it, I, I failed in um, getting my coach to allow us play uh, that as a warm-up game uh, on the basis that Macedonia didn't win a match and uh, or, uh, and he said if they then <laughs> he'd let us do it for a warm-up but uh, yeah no they didn't win so it's obviously not very effective I mean if it's good for the Macedonians it's clearly good for us just just throwing it out there lads you know I mean it's a uh, basic stuff like they, they got to determine by merit clearly so uh, what, what seems to be the problem but um but yeah, like it seemed early on to me. I don't know. If, I don't know if it came across to you as well, because like Austria and Ukraine were very, um, very different teams. Like Austria were really kind of like um, pragmatic and robust and, and very physically strong, as well as you would be with the likes of Alaba and Arnautovic in your team. But in Ukraine, were just a team that like just kept walk, walk, move, walking forward and not necessarily going back. <laughs> it was yeah. such a. If you wanted to say, oh yeah, this team is managed by Andrei Shevchenko, you could tell. You could actually fucking tell that he was that it was a Shevchenko team, um. But yeah, like, and and thankfully, actually, both of them went through the next round because uh, Ukraine uh, plays into uh, into something later on. Um, Group D um had England and Scotland in it, um, and obviously uh, England did prevail and Scotland did not. Um, Scotland were weird because like they were actively trying and they did like yeah. they had a good team up until their strikers. And they just don't have a striker at the moment. Well, they obviously do. They have Che Adams, but um, but um, Lyndon Dykes was uh, was preferred because he, he has a better record. Um, and yeah, it just didn't work out for Scotland in the end, in, in a in a very sad way because it seems to be the kind of the case with Scotland the major tournaments that they get there and then it just doesn't materialize for them. Um, so a similar pattern here, like. Um, I like obviously there's the Kieran Tierney. Um kind of draw to Scotland so I was um obviously and and it's kind of like they're England's biggest rivals so obviously I had a bit of a, a soft spot for them but they just like you know you've they, you've got they've got some you know maybe three stellar players two of which play in the exact same position so that makes it very makes it very hard to kind of build a team around two left backs um, <laughs> but um, the credit they've done uh, okay with it. Like they 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 get they put one as a centre back and then the other one further forward. Like they, they actually do quite well with it. So they they do they do it as best they can, I suppose. But yeah, no, I um, uh, 
out of everyone, I would have been a Scotland supporter. I went to the World Cup a few years ago. Obviously, Ireland weren't in it, the Women's World Cup. Yes. And Scotland fans, everyone goes on about how the Dutch fans are the best fans in the world. But uh, uh, the Scotland fans were very similar, I suppose, to Irish fans. Very similar yeah. clientele. Uh, so we, we had good banter. So I'm always Team Scotland for that. That's good. Yeah, that's good. Um, and yeah, obviously, uh, Croatia and Czech Republic uh, were also uh, featured in that group, and they they obviously got through as well. Um, group B was a bit weird, was a bit of a strange one as well because we mentioned Spain, Sweden earlier on, and how fucking miserable that was. But in a way, it was kind of like an, a turn, a group of underachievers because Spain were only second in that group, and Poland just were not even a factor in it, which is so surprising. Oh, yeah. So surprising for their, for for Lewandowski himself being such a great uh, player. He just wasn't able to drag this team to success, and that's insane to, to, to say that. Yeah, um, they I suppose you talk about Belgium having their golden generation, Poland have kind of had their golden generation, and they are now very much on the decline after that. Mm, and you know, they've got a decent goalkeeper, and they've have an amazing striker, one or two decent players throughout the field but there's just not enough cohesion in that squad to kind of you know get any real rhythm going I suppose but uh yeah no they 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 were disappointing um again um not not massively surprising that they were disappointing but they were yeah I suppose for those in the known sense like people who would have been back in Poland there would have been like a tipster and someone going are you sure about that (laughs) <laughs> have you seen their team um but like yeah I, I, it goes without saying but yeah sweden top of that group and um sweden were a bit of surprise i don't know if it's the same with you guys um because neil's here now um he just Hi, neil. Halfway through the podcast but fair enough Hi, uh, <laughs> like a jersey yeah. so you'll need to boost your level on your mic on your side there there neil but uh otherwise uh, do you want to just uh, fix your volume there, Neil? You're quite low on our side. Am I quite? Oh, yeah. Hang on. Sorry. Sorry. I know why. I know why. Technology. Like... Old man and technology. Old man and technology. That's it. Am I sounding now? Oh, oh my God. Beautiful. Oh, gorgeous. No, my earballs. <laughs> that's more like it. Um, but yeah, as we were just saying there, um, I suppose you can kind of count Sweden as perhaps one of the surprise packages of this tournament. I don't know if you guys would agree on that, considering they did they did top the group instead of Spain. Um, yeah, I would agree that they were surprisingly good, but I, they played the exact same boring football they've always played and that they mm. play in both the men's and the women's football, which is, you know, stoic defending and occasional quick attack. And their quick attack for the men's is Sebastian Larson, who has been playing since I started supporting Arsenal, which is just like... <laughs> He's old man. You know, Thirty-eight and plays for AIK, I think, like his hometown. Yeah. Like, oh, God, love him. Yeah, but, um, this, this was a tournament filled with like the oldest players in history. <laughs> <laughs> that's why they were all getting excited about the English squad because they had three young players. <laughs> yeah, that's why. Like Bel- the Belgians are still fielding like the oldest man alive, Thomas Vermalen. Right. <laughs> The man will never die. No, what was it? The, the Hungarian? No, it was a North Macedonian guy who was thirty-nine. Goran Pandev. Yeah, yeah Pandev. Yeah. But that was his first international tournament. Like that—that that was the—that's what people loved about about the fact Macedonia qualified. Was that was that 
Pandev was finally in a football tournament. I remember I had a top trumps from 1998. No, was it? No, 2001 and Pandev was in it. Yeah, because he was a he was a stalwart for, for Syria half for years. Like I think he's like, yeah. I have to check the record, but I think he's played for like half of the league, half of the Syria A clubs, which is an insane stat to think of. But yeah, like the guy was still going like only recently. So um, yeah, there you go. And um, I suppose we better get on to the group of death lads because it's certainly yeah. a little bit of a name. Um, France, Germany, Portugal and Hungary. Um, some spicy matches in that. Um, but ultimately, uh, we did see the top three in that group uh, go through. But Hungary were a bit of a bollocks in the end. They very much, um, they very much took points off uh, Germany and, uh, and France, which, uh, which was a bit of a surprise in their own right. But, um, but like I said, Hungary, unfortunately, kind of made more headlines off the pitch than on the pitch, as we were talking about earlier, when we were talking about being decisive and so forth. Yeah, yeah pretty much. They, they, cra- they crashed out like they deserved it. That's a fair point, yeah. Um, and, and, and the gas thing about it is that, like, it, it's... I, well, I don't want to say it's justified, because, uh, because, like I said, the Hungarian players are not necessarily on board with the whole... Um, with the political rhetoric, but uh, yeah, it, it kind of seemed like uh, appropriate, let's say, that uh, they wouldn't go through and Germany did. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's one of the few moralistic victories in football. Yes. Um, crashing out in humiliating fashion. <laughs> That's exactly it. But um, but yeah, it, it was a funny old group and, uh, and as I said, lived up to the name as we'll find out. So, in case you didn't know, it, it was working on the same format as last time where you had the, the, the 24 whittled down to 16 and the top four of the third-place groups. It was a very convoluted system, I'll be honest. Um, but we did end up getting some cracking matches in the round of 16, lads, it has to be said. Um, even though it's complicated, yeah. this really does work. So um, I suppose, we, why don't we rate them out of 10, shall we, to, to speed this up? Um, Belgium, Portugal, how would we rate that out of the 10? That was a seven for me. Like I, I was expecting a better match, but it, it was actually pretty good. You know, I, it was, I didn't watch a tremendous amount of the group stages because I was like, oh, this is going to be dead rubber central. Even in the group of death, there wasn't a tremendous amount. Exactly. And, uh, <laughs> but uh, like I was afterwards with the last 16, I was actually pretty much glued to this tournament. Like I've never been with a national tournament before. Like an international tournament, sorry. Um, yeah, I was I was loving this, but yeah, Portugal Belgium was actually pretty good. Yeah, I, I think I think I think you raise a very valid point there. Yeah, I, I think seven is a fair shout with that. Um, I think it's a it was a, it was a it was a good game by its own right, but just kind of disappointed in Portugal overall. And I'm only saying that because I put twenty five quid on them, and I was really angry at them. <laughs> Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I I remember being offered Italy at six to one at the beginning of the tournament and going, I should really stick twenty quid in this and never doing it. And going, ah, shit. Yeah, yeah, literally the exact same story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we were all in the same boat there. Um, and and again, they, Belgium would then face the winner of their uh, of the compatriot in the bracket, which was Italy Austria. Probably one of the weaker matches overall, I'd say. Probably three. A lot of uh, yeah, it, it was it was a pretty dour match. Like the Austrians just had nothing. Yeah, pretty much. But then dragged was, it out after some time. Um, I I enjoyed that one purely 
um, just I, some of the Italian play was just so good. Like we were, they were against a fairly shit housery um, mm. Austria team, and I was wondering how Italy would do kind of against that kind of a style. The way Austria were kind of like, yeah. uh, like I suppose to set up to take them be. down. But yeah, no, I enjoyed that one. I, I'm going to go a bit higher than that. I'm going to say five. That was a fair point. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't think it's a... Yeah, I'll, I'll go with it. Actually, to be honest with you, I'll revamp it up to a five because these were the matches where we could still see Spinozola. Um, oh, yeah. Who I fucking loved. Yes. I think, I think we're all on that board, aren't we? Like, um, yeah. I mean, like when he ran it. his Achilles, I, I was just gutted for him. I, I, like, I was gutted for him in a way that I'm really gutted for a player who injures himself that doesn't play for Arsenal. Yeah. <laughs> He plays for Roma. That's good enough, isn't it? Like they're they're more or less the same. Jose Mourinho. Yeah. Jose. Yeah. That's it. Um, we won't be. It's a good thing. Like Jose won't be able to unleash him for fucking months now because he's he properly did it. You know. I know. I don't. I don't. I'm not saying that he's gonna be out forever, Neil. But Jose's not gonna gonna be there forever anyway. So they'll the two will never meet. (laughs) That's that's the one given is that Jose's not going to be there for very long. No. Certainly not. Um, so you never know. He might have found his forever home. He could have. You never know. Yeah, always a club home. that doesn't even own its own fucking stadium. So, like, <laughs> oh yes, I love. I love this now an anti-Rome podcast because he signed Jose as manager. I love it. Look, yeah, um, it's an anti-Jose. It's an anti-Jose, anti-Jose podcast, podcast, right? It's anti-Jose. That's it. We don't even play top eleven on this channel. That's how. That's how it should be. <laughs> Um, then we get to June 28th, ladies and gentlemen. The, pe- the day that people remember as the best day ever in international football. We started uh, off... The day that I missed both of these matches because I had my own match, which I didn't even win. No. I bet you feel silly now. I bet you uh-huh. feel like fucking... Yeah, I, yeah, I thought so. Could have found in six. Yeah, should have. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... Let's start, we'll start off with the morning, the, the evening kickoff because both of these guys went the entire fucking distance and the pundits really earned the money on this day. And Spain, Croatia ended up being 5-3 to Spain. And, and uh, I, I suppose like, maybe it's just me, but this is like the one game I've seen so far determined that Spain actually looked good, if you know what I mean. And because they were really bad against Sweden, really bad against Slovakia, and then Poland just gave up. So this is them actually probably showing how what kind of quality they actually had it's just I think it was just yeah I kind of agree with that it's the first time that Spain really went oh you know this whole fielding 10 midfielders and a goalkeeper and even then he's just a midfielder with gloves on <laughs> as um, was proven <laughs> as was proven you know like yeah <laughs> talking to a midfielder with gloves on yes. um, <laughs> yeah exactly so it's that's day before put it in the goal. Playing without a front man just doesn't really work for them, and they don't have a proper one. And it's just ridiculous amounts of passing and just possession to death. But it really clicked in Croatia against Croatia because I think Cro- the Croats just kind of kind of saying Coma. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, and then they just rifled it in. Mm. But I, I'm so, like, I only watched this solely because like uh, I got a few first few glimpses of Pedri. And I was like, oh, I just got to watch more of this boy. Like, holy shit. Like, people need to take advantage of Barcelona. Barcelona is really hilarious. <laughs> Hilariously bad position to get this yeah. guy off their books because he is 
fucking incredible. Yeah. He's yeah, as well. Yeah. He's, he's added at least like 30 million to his price tag now based yeah. on the, probably that match alone. Exactly. And, Bar- and Barcelona will add about 30 more because they yeah, need but to. Barcelona, the Barcelona desperation needs to accept far less than what they would normally hold. In fact, actually, to be honest with you, I think they're just holding out. They're just like, please, we're, he's not going anywhere. But their finances might not give them any um, any choice in the matter. So, That's true. I mean, he made, he made so many people's um, team of the tournament. Mm. Um, yeah, and it was ridiculous. And We'll get we'll get to the Spain Italy match after this, yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah that, I'll, 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 I'll give this match. I'll, a, I'll give this match a nine altogether. I don't know what you guys think. Oh, it was excellent. Yeah, definitely a nine. Nine. Um, for the highlights I watched were amazing. Um, mm. so yeah, I'll go with a nine. Yeah, the match yeah, is incredible. A, any game with eight goals is going to be a winner in our book. Um, yeah. And a game that got very close to it was France Switzerland. Um, three all. Yeah. It was three one initially, then three all. Then Switzerland win on penalties. Holy shit. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, this, match, this match is a pure 9 out of 10 solely for the meme ability of one Swiss fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the, that old guy who at 89 and a half minutes is like in complete despair. There is no light at the end of the tunnel for this man. You can see he just wants to suffocate himself in the cheap nylon of his own jersey. <laughs> and then it cuts to like... Two minutes after ninety, it's like ninety second minute or something. Yeah, when they've equalised, and his shirt is off, his hat is gone, probably thrown into the ether, uh, and he's bellowing like a fucking angry caveman. It's yes. uh, it's just the two of them side by side. It's like literally, this is like what football does to you. This is yeah. Uh, uh, I, I, I loved it in particular because um, because obviously he became like a worldwide sensation, and the Swiss FA found know who he was. And yeah. they, got, they offered him a free ticket to St. Petersburg to watch the Spain game, which I thought was nice. brilliant. I love that. Again, heartwarming stories from Euro 2020 plus one, guys. Let's just ignore Hungary. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we already so, have. We already have. But I mean, to be fair, this is a big shock. It was, it was one, of, one of the biggest shocks of the tournament, seeing France get knocked out on penalties. Considering that, like, this is more or less the same team that won the World Cup. But it just didn't feel right this time for them. They just there wasn't some there was something wrong about it. Shit penalties known to man. Oh, they were yeah. terrible. These were terrible, terrible fucking penalties. Like mm. um, like lots were lots were made of uh I think it was Rabio's psychotic mother mm. um having a go at uh Mbappe's dad yes. because of how when his penalty got saved and she went up to him and went, That's terrible. About a player at this level striking the ball like that, I hope you scold him afterwards. And then at, apparently she she was going crazy at all the other fucking players, parents and shit like that. I was going like she's she's an absolute weapon. Um, <laughs> she once wrote to was it Ancelotti or something like that. She sent him a letter asking him why he wasn't playing. Oh no, it wasn't. Yeah, she once sent a letter to one of the managers they used to play for, asking them why they aren't playing anymore. Oh, was, it, is that, is, was that Lauren Blanc at PSG? I think it was Lauren Blanc, yeah. She said the fucking Lauren Blanc, Lauren being Blanc like, of all people. Oh. Why aren't you playing my son more? It's like, you're fucking ridiculous. And she would like wait regularly wait outside the training grounds to talk mm. to the managers. Like, he's, a, he's an adult. Like, I know he's not an old adult, but he's an adult. How mortal would you be that your ma is going Oh, to I'd be. She's his agent as well. Yeah. Uh, 
or it's as representative, not as agent. Like because she, like she's his management. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. I said, oh, I happen to give birth to a, a, a stupidly talented child. I know what I'll do. I'll milk him for all his words. Not even stupidly. T- well, he could be. He, no, he is stupidly talented. He could be really good. Sorry, he's stupidly talented, but not really good. Yes. <laughs> good, good in flashes. Good in flashes. He, he could have been world class had he just, had she beaten him more or less. <laughs> the other thing is as well though like I mean obviously Switzerland will kind of like end up being one of the surprise packages of this tournament but all the same like they were just a really good fucking team like, yeah. like they were they were good all around like they were very very good very well drilled a proper team yes that is the key word <laughs> proper team and to be fair it's like it's it, very much a case that like, this was the tournament of good teams like te- like cohesiveness team unity those are the teams that got through to, to the latter stages and that's very much a theme with this tournament um, I, i'm not gonna lie lads i have to get this match a 10 like for a drama alone this is fucking fantastic it's a nine for me but i could see why it would be a 10 yeah why. um i made it back in time after my match to see the last few minutes of extra time and penalties and mm. on that excitement alone, I would give it an eight. And I missed all of the drama and the build-up. So I'm imagining it's going to be up there at the 10. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It, it, was, it was kind of the match as well that sort of put the nail in the coffin of like Mbappe. Like he had a terrible tournament. He did. He had a really um, well He had a really awesome on Giroud. So mm-hmm. fucking strange. He played on fucking Giroud. <laughs> yeah, he was, he was having a go at Giroud. Like, uh, he's prettier. And um, yeah, it was just kind of weird. Like he was criticizing somebody who he clearly feels is below him, like below his station. But then yes. when you realize that the person he's criticizing is five goals off the all-time French goal scoring record, <laughs> and is probably one of the most decorated footballers in world I- in world history. Yeah, um, yeah, it's just a weird one. A very weird one, all right. Um, so yeah, I think that's a fair point. Like again, like I, I, for what it's worth, I feel like. Um, France uh, Switzerland was perhaps the the the, pit, the my personal favorite match of the tournament, um, and uh, we, we we'll see uh, if any other favorites pop up in that time. Um, and the, so again, next one then was uh, Sweden Ukraine. Uh, Ukraine beaten Sweden two one, which I was very surprised by. I'll be honest, because Ukraine don't know what didn't have any vein of game management whatsoever, but they still made it work. Um, I'm going to give them a five. All this all the same, I am because I'm just even from the shock result after extra time, I think, was uh, was worth it. But this match was absolutely looking like it was going to penalties, and then Ukraine just bundled the ball in and, and, and got yeah. the result that way. So um, a surprise quarterfinal entrance in Ukraine, but um, but they didn't last long, as we'll find out. It, um, in all fairness, like, I was, it was really, like, they really massively overperformed. This match was terrible. I'll, I'll give this match, like, a four, because, I mean, they squeaked out of their group, what, like, three points? Was yeah, that, they were like the, they were the last ranked team, as in like the um, the mm. third place like ranked. They were the only team that had beyond three points, so they only got there by goal difference. Like they missed, yeah, they, 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 they were they, they were terrible and they did yeah. not deserve to go f- as far as they did. That's it, yeah. Um, so yeah, um, they would then face the winner of England versus Germany, and the game was happening in Wembley, which meant that literally. Everyone in the British press were going, 56 years of hurt, 56 years uh, of hurt. I don't know shouting about, but 56 years of hurt. Like, what, what's wrong with you people? Yeah. The, 
that that was just going to be the talked about point of the tournament, no matter what the result was going to be. And uh, yeah, like Germany were for you know making it through the group of death and what whatnot. Like they were grand, but like they were not up to their normal standard at all. Um and like England couldn't have faced England really couldn't have faced like an easier German opponent if no, they um, you yeah. know. Yeah, I heard, I heard someone else like this is easily one of the worst German teams since reunification, <laughs> and I was going, oh fuck, that's that could be true because Jesus Christ, these guys are terrible, and even then, they still could have forced it to extra time had Muller scored a goal. That you would have How did he fucking miss that? Like you would have put your fucking house on him when he collected that through a ball and completely beat the press. Mm. You would have put any amount of money, any amount of money on him slotting that past Pickford. Pickford of all people is all he had to beat, and he shanks it. Yeah, I'm going like, oh my fucking god! Like, but, well, yeah, nah, they were the, terrible. The team, I think if you, I think if you ask any German like journalist, like if you ever listen to Deed Merhaman fucking character assassinate Yogi Low. <laughs> Man, like RT were on a fucking blinder this summer. I have, to, I have to give him credit for that. Like, but one of the various points that like he would make, and I think even like the likes of Raphael Honigstein and a few others have said it, just that Yogi Low overall has outstayed his welcome as a football manager. Like, even so much the case where like he's not likely to get another job in Germany. You know, like there's there's he's unlikely to find a Bundesliga team that will put up with his smelly pits in a sense, and um, and he does have very smelly pits as we all know. So he I don't everything apparently. He really does, and boy, does he love giving them a sniff as well. But um, but the thing is, like, this German team should be doing better, absolutely, one hundred percent. But the the sad trick is that like they just simply didn't have enough, um, which is just a it's such a bizarre thing to say, like for for a well organized team, um, for the match wise, I think this is probably England's best performance of the tournament. So I'd probably give them an eight, um, all things mm. considered, like. Closed. Um, I'll I give them I give them a six because I understand like there's a whole the thing in football you can only play the team that's in front of you, but they yes. didn't have to, they did not have to play very well to beat this Germany team. They mm-hmm. really really did not. And even then they still almost fucked it up. <laughs> they had to rely yeah. on the they had to rely on the Germans to fuck it up. That's yeah. true actually yeah. Uh, but I I'll give it a six because I was just like oh my god this is terrible. Yeah, uh, sure. I'll go in the middle. I'll say a seven because um, I really like Muller. Um, I really like him as a player, and I know, I know, I know. Yeah, no, uh, just England. I, I'm raging when they win, so I can't give it anything higher than a seven. <laughs> You're gonna have to get used to that Burke, but unfortunately, that's a, it's a running theme in this tournament. But um, yeah. we'll get into it. And um, again, one of the bigger shots from the. Uh, from the knockouts, lads, was the Czechs beating uh, the Netherlands. Um, again, in theory, it's an upset. But when you look at the two teams, it really fucking isn't. Because the Dutch are kind of in the same boat as Germany. Um, up shits creepy out of paddle uh, when it comes to their coach. I, I still think, like, yeah, no, it's the coach. Because, like, um, people were saying, like, the Dutch had their golden generation about two tournaments ago. And they haven't really brought back. But I, there are some amazingly talented players in that team. Um, that if they had any way competent coaching, um, then they would be able to flourish. But uh, Frank de Boer decided to, you know, not play to strengths. And I, I don't even know necessarily how much more wrong he could have gone. 
<laughs> but like yeah. you know, he, he really went all out to prove what Jose said of him that he is the worst manager in world football. Um, and he's making that assessment to be fair because like again, another beautiful character assassination was from Richie Sadler who says that I was literally about to say that. You, you take the lead then because I think it was I think it was this is absolutely brilliant. It it basically was just like I don't know anyone else who's managed to fail up as much <laughs> as Frank DeVoer and. Uh, that he was like one of the worst managers. Uh, yeah, like basically, you know, how can you go and you can fail, go to America and fail and still mm. then become international coach? It, he, like, you know, it's beggar's belief, I think is the words he said. Yeah. Like, bear in mind, like, he was Crystal Palace manager when um, when Big Sam left. And Palace had this notion, kind of what they're doing now with Patrick Vieira, um, bringing a young coach that's going uh, to oh. rejuvenize and, like, uh, and, Slimmed down the, the the age of the group, and then he lost all thirteen games he was in charge of. <laughs> yeah, but I think I think he kind of gets a wee bit of a pass with Palace because they were in a bad place. Like it wasn't mm. as if Sam left on a high or anything. No, like that's that. true too. That's or they true. were like, you know, they were on the crest of a wave or any of that type of shit. Like they were in the doldrums <laughs> when yeah. he left. They were in, they were up a creek without a paddle. Um, yeah. When the bar signed on, so the fact that it all went from bad to worse wasn't too much of a surprise. Now, a good couple of people, including Jose, put the boot in, but it was he was uh, like he wasn't pilloried because it seemed like a bit of an easy target. You put yeah. a rookie manager into a bad situation, into a terrible situation, actually. Um, what do you expect? Like, you know, two plus two equals four, lads, you know. Uh, but it's everything since then and when you look in hindsight at everything before then kind of bears out that oh no maybe it was just he's just fucking terrible at his job <laughs> like and also like yeah, they've just some bad like there's some overrated players like Delight is just yeah he was, he was showing up a lot this, in this tournament he was showing up a lot 67 million pound defender mm. yeah he was just lack basic athleticism <laughs> Like he's like he's a damn near seventy million pound defender who can't run really. I mean, and shit like in this game because he got he got sent off in this game. He did, yeah. Shit had him torn inside out. Yeah, and Shit is six foot three, by the way. Like he's a he's a he's a a tank. Like he he's not the fastest in the world. Like, but yeah, I see your point. It's just it it was just terrible. Like it Mm. was just couldn't torn, couldn't move, couldn't tackle. It was even bad in the air, and you're saying, "No, oh, come on, lads! Like at least get that fucking right. Could do that even." Mm. Uh, and then after he got sent off on like 50 minutes, then the whole team just completely collapsed. They were just oh, they were like, awesome. if you, if you have a player like him in your team, like we have Per Mertesacker, like and I'm just saying from a can't run defender who can't run perspective, you you kind of build your team so that he doesn't have to run. And that you mm. have other defenders who can do the mop up, mopping up. You look at uh, Spinazzola and Cellini uh, in Italy. Like, that's very similar. And there are defenders in the Dutch team that can do that role. Whereas De Boer just didn't seem to think of that as an issue. Like, you know, oh, you know there, there was no kind of like, this is the, it was kind of like, this is the pattern of football I want to play to hell if I have the players to do it. This is what's happening. Yeah. And you know we're gonna pay the Frank De Boer way, shit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's like a slavish adherence to a four-four fucking a four-three, yeah, um, or four-four-two. No, four, no, four-three-three. Three, three, yeah. It's the Dutch formation. Yeah, four-three-three. Three, yeah, 
system, yeah. Yeah, the Cruyff thing. And it's just like, ah, oh, it's fucking terrible. Like, and again, they've got some bad players, but they've got some good ones. Like Frankie De Jong is a good player, yeah. <laughs> regardless of <laughs> regardless of what you might think of him. Freeze is yeah. a great fucking player. Um, Dumfries is like the Spinazzola was like the kind of breakthrough player of the tournament, I think. But Dumfries kind of put his uh, Pedri, Dumfries, and um, Spinazzola, I Spinazzola. think, are the three players that are yeah, whatever. Um, that they're the ones coming out of this. With mm. like an extra couple of million on their on their fees, I, ha- yeah. I have one more I'll throw into that group as well. But that that they'll that'll come into play later on. But um, yeah. yeah, I I give this match probably a seven overall because um, look at it, the checks really just like just put those under pressure. Like it was crazy. I'll, I'll I'll give this match a six, but I'll bump it up to a seven purely because like the sheer amount of venom that every point that put into Dutch team afterwards just made it for some just brilliant car crashes. So I'm like six yeah. for the game, seven for the, how can he fail yeah. upwards? You yeah. know? Although like there were some brilliant, uh, brilliant comments afterwards. It's like, God, oh, Jesus, this Dutch team really needed VVD. Um, did. Fucking did. Like, I, I, in fairness, like, <laughs> how they needed <laughs> Van der Dunk. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But here's yeah, the thing, right though. Fucking team, like. But here's the thing. Here's the thing with that, though. Like, granted, this is like Euro 2020. It just shows you how quick, like, a fortune of a national team can change. Because if this ha- tournament happened last year, they would have had Virgil Van Dijk and they would have had Ronald Koeman in charge, and this team would have been one of the favorites going in. And then suddenly, Ver- Van Dijk is obviously injured, and De Boer, a complete charlatan, takes over, and this team looks so completely disconnected to the team that got them there in the first place. It's so mad how quick that changes in a year from like one player and one coach. That's how quick you can destroy a team, and that's insane to think of. Yeah. Um, so the last one then, the last round of 16 to talk about then is it was a very much a walkover, and um, Denmark beating Wales 4 0. So, there was four goals in this match, but it was one of the worst games of football I've ever seen. It was, it was actually a pretty fucking bad game of football. Like, yeah. Uh, like, like can I, I just want to throw out there, like, I yeah. was watching this match and I had just started coaching underage football. And I was looking at the Wales team <laughs> going, this is actually exactly like teaching under eight. Yeah. Like the mistakes, the positioning, the... Uh, Oh, like <laughs> I, I don't know. Like they'd done fairly okay in the group stages. They were by no means lighting the world on fire. But obviously, because they have Bale, and everyone is obsessed with him being the best player in the world. I don't know. Like that, it hasn't been that case for a while. Um, mm-hmm. they, they were expecting them to be so much better. Whereas it's like, no, I'm kind of expecting this. Ramsey's always hit and miss. He's always going to get like yeah. I think he'd given a ten out of ten performance in the last match, so he's always going to be due a dip. And um, yeah, they've no one else. They have no one else in that team, um, like at all. I can't think of a single decent other Welsh player. Sorry, any Welsh listeners there? Well, but I, like, I was no. going to say there, like the, the, the actual break. The, my takeaway from the Wales team was how dependent they were on their target man, which is key for more. And he kind of like he kind of earned the points in the um, in the group stages. I think, if I'm not mistaken, they obviously won a game against Turkey. So, um, but it was actually in the match against Switzerland that they actually desperately need Kiefer Moore. And the gas winning was like once he wasn't getting service, this team immediately fell apart, which is so strange to say when it's a Welsh team that has like Crit Ramsey, Bale, Brooks, like actual good playmakers. Joe Allen. Joe Allen. Joe Allen, yeah, exactly. Like um fucking Neko Williams as a second fullback. 
Ben Davis. Ben Davis of Davis. now of yeah. Liverpool. Uh, well, no, that's the other Ben Davis, Neil. <laughs> I knew you'd do that to me. <laughs> but Williams, no. is, uh, Williams is part of his Wales team, isn't he? Nico Williams. Oh, he had a bad cameo in this game. Yeah. He did, he did, unfortunately. He wasn't his best. Um, and Nico Williams is Wilson's. Um, um, Harry was okay. I didn't mind Wilson, though. Like, he, he put himself in the middle of a shop front, but he gets sent off. No, uh, Neko got sent off. That was, yeah. Really? All right. Yeah. Neko got oh, sorry, sent off. Sorry, the, yeah. the match report I'm looking at now as the red card next to Wilson's. Because I, I watched like a couple of the goals and I was like, oh my God, they're getting pumped up off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, this is exactly what it is. So yeah, um, I, I'd probably go with the goals. I'd go with four for that match. <laughs> it was a complete walkover. Yeah, I'll, I'll go with that, yeah. So we flip it then to the quarterfinals, some spicy matches in there. Um, we'll start off, indeed, with uh, with uh, Denmark and the Czech Republic. Um, so Denmark, again, like, obviously, Berko, we were talking earlier on the show about what happened with Christian Eriksen, and uh, and naturally, and as I'm sure you'll all agree, that sometimes uh, something like that can immobilise and, and galvanise a team. And my word, were like Danish, the Danish team were just a, a phenomenon in this tournament. And, I, and I'm, I'm not just saying that because of, of Eriksen. They genuinely do have a really good national team. We should know that because we play them twice every fucking year at this rate. But like we do, we, we know what we see. Like it's not just Ericsson in that team. There are fantastic players in that unit, and they all they all showed up in this tournament to their credits. Yeah, um, I really am really enjoying uh, Thomas Delaney. Um, I think he. Um, uh, I, I watched him with Dortmund um, back last year when I was like hell bent on watching every Bundesliga match I could. Mm-hmm. And he obviously the name is very like, oh, Irish. So you got to pique interest in it. Um, but as a player, he reminds me of uh, Leo Valti for Arsenal Women. He kind of has yeah. that kind of um, transitional play where he can bring the ball forward or he can, you know, he just has an eye for a pass and he can also do that kind of gritty defensive work. And I just think he's a great, he's a great player. And mm. he, but him and Hoiberg, who I don't like oh, because he's sp- a squad, this tournament. He, he was so absolutely crazy. like on fleek, as the kids used to say. <laughs> uh, now nah, he was, he was like every touch he had in that game against Wales was just superb. And I was like, oh my God. Hopefully he doesn't bring this to form to Spurs, yeah. um, because they could actually do with having that kind of transitional player in the midfield. Mm. But yeah, um, yeah, Denmark were very good, and uh, unfortunately their run came to an end in the semi-finals. It did indeed. Um, you you were talking about kind of breakout players. Like the one breakout for me from the from the tournament was uh, was Damsgaard from the oh, Danish yeah. team. Yeah, yeah. Like. Because he was the he's kind of the backup to Ericsson in the team, so literally he's parachuted in into, into that like kind of number ten role. But he's not number ten; like he's a he kind of he kind of plays like a wide a wide midfielder. You know how the way like kind of like Saka or Awobi kind of has that positional freedom and will run yeah. towards. He's exactly the same, and I fucking loved him in this tournament. Like the guy, the kid is talented. Like you can, yeah. we'll talk about it in the semi-finals, but he's very good. Um, they would go on to face uh, England, who uh, smashed Ukraine four 0 it's not much we can say about this match, lads. Ukraine and ran out of steam. England like played some of their attacking players, which we'll get to later on. Um, so yeah, not much to say about that one really. Uh, the other quarterfinals was uh, Belgium facing Italy, and Italy won two one. One of the better matches of the tournament has to be said. The completely yeah, wide really, open. 
I really enjoyed it. It was really end to end. Um, in terms of uh, the chances, though, like I think uh, it, it wasn't a very high intensity match in terms of shots, but like mm. the play and the um, it was end to end in terms of position of play, I suppose. Yes. But like in terms of yeah. end product shots, there wasn't uh, wasn't uh, very high numerically. But no, it was good. It was a really good match. Um, his insignia scored. It was not the goal where he cut in from the left and he just scored this blinder. Isn't that the one? Yes, but yeah, that's the one. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Yeah, no, it was, it was a fantastic game, and uh, and like it was very much a case of just like it, it all of everything kind of happened in the first half, but the second half was exactly that. It was just like that kind of like back and forth, that kind of tug of war, as it were, and just like it was, it was almost a case like oh, it's full time. Shit, we just spent the last forty five minutes just like <laughs> fighting against each other, but yeah, and. I, again, Italy, like, um, goes without saying, like, they've been on a phenomenal run. But, like, probably Belgium got the closest. But, again, Belgium, if they... I don't know what it is about the Belgium team because they've kind of missed their chance now to really win something on, with this team. Um, well, they just don't play right. I mean, they, they just sat yeah. back against the Italians. That's what, I, uh, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking, fucking get at them. Mm. Uh, you know, like... Like Chiellini just is a he's like a fantastic defender, but like he's not quick. Like you get at him with speed. Yes. Like the English briefly did in the match we'll talk about in a bit. Like he he'll he'll panic. Like well he won't panic, but he'll be forced to do shit that he really shouldn't be doing. But mm-hmm. instead, like it was basically just two teams relying on a really really old back line. Yeah. Like uh, the Belgian back three had a combined age of one hundred and one. Is it Belgium um, are actually the oldest team in the tournament? That's yeah. how that's how bronze. Most of, that, most of that's for Marlon. True. <laughs> but it's just it, it was just fucking it was just absolutely bad. Um it was a terrible match as well. This is the match that put Spinners all out as well. It was, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Um so that, that, that gets that gets shot down a point just for that. Yeah, it does. But um it was just like they just the Italians isolated Lukaku and realized that the Belgian and then came to the point, right, we'll isolate Lukaku and then, you know, we'll deal with one of the hazards, whichever one they yes. field. Uh, you know, and we'll just have a go of it. And then we realized that like all it was was just pumping balls to Lukaku and going like this is all they doing. Again, in much like the England game we'll talk to we'll talk about like Killaney and Baducci must have been just going, hang on, they're just gonna pump balls up to this guy. Like in the air, that's it. They're not gonna play in the big crowd. This is fucking incredible. We'll take that. We'll take that. We'll take it all day, all day yeah. long. Uh, and they they would end up facing the uh, the winner of the uh, match between Switzerland and Spain. Uh, Spain end up winning uh, on penalties. It was one apiece. And um, again, another strange game where Switzerland should have won, but VAR and red cards and shenanigans kicked in, and Switzerland got dicked over. In my fucking opinion, like holy crap! Yeah, the Swiss, the Swiss got dicked. Um, they really did. They really, really did. Uh, yeah, it shouldn't have happened. It really shouldn't have happened. <laughs> like, it was just kind of ridiculous. It was just ridiculous. I just... I don't think, I don't think you can say anything else. Because that, that, even the yeah, Spain team... Just ridiculous is a good word for it. Yeah, ridiculous. Uh, but the thing is, like, even the Spain team looked absolutely knackered in this match. Like, even like, for the first half an hour, and like, the Swiss team were getting a lot more possession than they should have. Um, and it's just like, why? Why are we getting the ball? We don't. We don't use the ball. You can have it. It's just like, no, we're tired. 
Um, yeah, very strange game where like neither team wanted to play, and then they just ended up like going for two hours. It was very strange. Um, and unfortunately, Spain did run out of steam down in the semi-finals when they faced uh, Italy and lost on penalties. I'm, I'll be honest, I was surprised by Spain in this match. I thought they were a lot better than they were against Switzerland, but it was very much like the case of the run out of steam. And much of the point, Neil, you were saying earlier on, the lack of a front man really hurt Spain here because the closest thing they have to it was Alvaro Morata. And he really was the fucking difference in the end. Like uh, I'm telling you, like it's it's just like if if you've got uh, a team tactic whereby you're relying on the other team to not score a lot of goals and the other team have Alvaro Morata, you've got a chance. Is Alvaro <laughs> Morata the most overrated player in human He's history? Not overrated. Oh oh my god, right, my my mom like is a football fan, but like her her knowledge wouldn't necessarily be in depth. Um and she loves Spain. She's always been a Spain supporter whenever it comes to international uh, uh, matches. And I don't particularly know why, um, but there's like, you know, you pick a team that isn't Ireland and you go with them and that, that you yeah. know, her second team would be Spain. Um, but <laughs> she messaged me and um, she, she was like, uh, oh, fuck, Morata's playing. <laughs> it was like, she has such limited knowledge of football, but she... <laughs> It's just like, oh no. And then when he had that blatant header, I don't know, it was this match where he like he missed by absolute like he I don't know, it was harder to miss than score with yeah. one of his headers. Uh, it was this game. I think it was I think it would have been this game, yes, because you Yeah, were, and then and then he got the penalty at the at the yeah. Mm, I missed the penalty then, yeah. Um, oh, this is yeah. it. This is the Italy game we're talking about here. Yeah, yes. uh, I, I can't. Yeah, no. Yeah, uh, he scored a very good goal in this one, and then. Oh yeah, that's what. It, no, that's what. It, uh, yeah, and then so, fucked his penalty. You know? Yeah. So when when he scored this goal, yeah, uh, when he scored this goal, she messaged me and she was just like, "Ah, well done, him. He's finally <laughs> done it." And then when he's it done a goal. Penalty, when it came to penalties, it was oh fuck, it's him again. <laughs> I, I did, it was just hilarious because there were two very good goals. Uh, Jesus yeah. fucking oof, swaz overload. Mm. He just whips it in, and you're like, "Yeah, you're not." That was a world class goal. Like that was, oh, was fucking superb. But Morales was really good because he interplayed the passes, and he, he timed his run very fucking well. Yes. But it was reliant on Donnarumma for some weird reason, literally diving out of his way, mm. <laughs> like. Because um, yeah. when you, you watch, that, watch that goal back, all he has to do is just pass the ball straight and, and it's in. Because Donnarumma, for some reason, Morales does that weird kind of, which is quite curious for a goalkeeper as experienced and very good as him, in that he looks at the player, not the ball. So yeah. Morata's clearly shaped to go into far post. But Donnarumma's forgotten that this is Alvaro Morata. And he's more <laughs> likely to put the ball into the fucking car park than he, has, than he is to put a top corner. <laughs> Yeah. So he decides, oh, I'm going to go early and get to this ball, not realizing that he's just dove out of the way of Morata before he's kicked the ball. So yeah. Morata's just gone, okay, let's just hit the ball straight into the completely empty net. Even he couldn't fuck that. But when he walked up to that, uh, to that penalty, I've just never seen a player where when they're going up to a penalty, going up to take it, they put the ball down and you just know, know for a fact they're going to miss it. Yeah, he, he, he knows he's going to miss it. There is no doubt in my mind that he was going to completely fuck this. 
Yeah, and I, I'd agree with that. You could see it in, like, the guy was fucking mortified, like. And the thing is, like, Spain knows this. They know Morata is a square peg, so why do you keep playing him? Like, the, he's, one thing I, he's a pure, he's a real confidence player. Like, he's mm. just, like, when he gets down, he's just a miserable, Daryl motherfucker. <laughs> and you can't be tagging over oh but you just got oh we'll play him and then he'll score and then yeah, it, yeah. You'll, you know that'll get his confidence back and he'll finally have the centre forward and I'm just like no man this guy's just emotionally he's just not up to it he is just no. terrible he is really really terrible uh, especially when you consider the team that's behind him like he like, should not be missing it's, chances it's, like that service he game, gets like, Ped, like Pedri finished the first 90 minutes of this with a 100% pass completion rate insane <gasps> You know, he finished the game, the whole game, including extra time. Extra time dropped his pass completion rate down to only 98%. Oof. He's 18. What the... Against Italy. He ran a midfield against Marco Baratti. (laughs) And just, like, Baratti's like, I can't get near this fucking kid. Like, (laughs) this is fucking ridiculous. Real kind of uh, Iniesta energy he has, I have to say. Sure, like, oh, man. I'm like, if not more so, Dan. Like, definitely, like, why is everybody not piling in on Barcelona to play this game? Like, it's purely obvious he is absolutely elite level right now. He is, ab- seriously, this is like everybody looking at Cesc Fabregas. Like, and I'm just thinking, like, imagine if Arsenal were, like, facing relegation, you know, yeah. but we were fielding Cesc Fabregas. You not think every other team on the planet would be like, get this motherfucker, oh, yeah. get him, get him, That's get him. It. Get him. Like, why is nobody going in? Barcelona are literally over a barrel with their pants down. And that's like, they've got these unbelievable fucking players that they have to sell because all the players they want to sell are complete garbage. Yes. Get him! He's fucking incredible. They played absolute shite in this tournament and he made it into every team of the tournament. Mm. And rightly so, and it was there by merit. Like, he'd be, he was playing fucking Thiago out of the team, which is insane to think of. Yeah. This is Thiago, like the fucking pass master, and Pedri was out, was out performing him. Yeah, like, Pedri's keeping him on the bench. You're being kept on the bench, man, by a fucking 18-year-old. Insane. <laughs> he did have a word with himself. Um, so the other semi-final then, now let's calm down. It didn't happen, but there was a point. In, we all thought it. Let's not lie to ourselves. We all thought the possibility that it could be coming home. But we started <laughs> off with a world-class goal from Dan's guards. One of the best fucking yeah. free kicks I've ever seen. Fully taking advantage of the fact that Jordan Pickford has tiny arms. I love that in the set piece. Isn't that the only uh, free kick scored in the tournament? It could be, yes. I think it no, is. No, it is. Yeah. It, it's, I remember off the stats saying that's the only direct free kick scored in the tournament. Yeah. <laughs> like bad. straight in. Like it's the only one. And fuck me. Holy shit. Like... Get they should have won there. the match just from that. I said it at the time. Like they should that should have been like an automatic lose. This is like, yeah, like no, that's it. That, that goal was too good. You're the route. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, there's like a panel of judges next side. They all hold up tens. That's it. Ten, all ten. the game right there. That's it. You're fucked. It's like England lost to Denmark today in the semi-final by a technical knockout. Yeah, it was yeah, they just throw in the towel. Yes, but alas, uh, England did fight back into it. Um, thanks to a care on goal initially, and then Went all the way to extra time and the 104th minute and Kane bundled the goal in. The most, like, scrappiest oh. of England goals you get, but they all count in the end. Yeah. Um, it's how like, this was a very even game for me. Like, England, Denmark gave as, as much as they gave, as they could um, themselves. 
They, and, um, and, they're, I, what I found about watching this was that like they ran out of steam. Mm, they were and, completely shagged by the end of it. They, they, they were shattered. And it was purely like them out on their feet trying to hold on. And they almost held on for like for penalties because if it had come down to penalties, there's no way Pickford like <laughs> I say this knowing the result of the Thanks next game. Words, yeah. But like uh, Pickford and his tiny arms would have a very tough time stopping some of those, you know, dead balls. So like yeah. yeah. And he's not uh, a better goalkeeper than Casper Schmeichel. Like Schmeichel is a brilliant penalty saver, as we yeah. saw in this game. We did, yeah. Like I said, like like that goal that Kane goal was a, a rebound from a penalty. And to be fair, like not many people can save a penalty while a laser is shown in their fucking faces. Stay classy, England fans. We'll get to you later. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, and, and like I said, England got through by virtue of that in, in essence. Um, and the kind of the fairy tale was over from that sense. We all wanted to see Denmark in the final. We all wanted to see them win. And it just, England Different. fucking ruined it. Yeah. 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 But when you consider it, like I reckon had they gone through to the final, like Italy would have pumped them. I think, yeah. yeah, I know, I know, but still, let us dream, Neil. Let us fucking dream, all right? <laughs> Sorry, cold, so, hard reality crashing in through the fucking window. Yeah, there. come on, man. What yeah, are you I mean, it, was an obvious, it was a horrendous dive for the penalty. And it was very obvious that Sterling wasn't actually even attempting to run at the goal because he, oh, he ran decision. in a horseshoe around the goal. Yeah. Hoping that somebody would stick a leg in. And when the end up didn't, he just wound up just kind of going hip to hip with the defender and hitting deck. I'm going off. Fuck off! Like the, the whole purpose of VAR is to stop this shit. It's to stop shit like that happening. Yeah, you know. not get that. By that point, like they just nothing left. They had absolutely nothing. Mm. Um, poor Denmark. So I was like, oh, it's down to the Italians now. Yeah, and thankfully. And- <laughs> Thankfully, indeed, um, it did go all the way. Like again, it was one. It was at Wembley again, which again we'll get to later. Um, they had us in the first half. Not gonna lie, lads, because Luke Shaw did score in the second in the second goal. Oh, and that a was a fucking good goal. It was a well worked goal. It yeah. was really well executed. But and th- and then they went like. I don't even know, like what the fuck. They just sat back and were like, "Let's yeah, just sat back against up. one of the best." Yeah. Play- you know, um. Like, I was just, I'm looking here at the stats, like the possession stats. I was like, oh, it's about 70 30. Yeah, pretty close to that. Like, it was 66% to Italy. Um, they had six shots to two shots um, on target, 19 shots from Italy in that game. And bearing in mind, a lot of them, Pickford didn't have too much to do. Uh, one of, uh, he did pull off like two good saves in that game that, like, I was like, oh my God, wasn't it? He wouldn't do yeah, that. Yeah, he, he was actually having um, a very good game himself, to his credit. Uh, yeah, no, um, but what I will say is there was, you're going to talk about it, I think, yourself, uh, Jonathan, like Southgate's mm. tactics going into this game. There was some logic to it where they knew they were up against a better team passing and in the midfield. Like, and so it was a case of holding strong, hopefully tiring them out, then bringing on the quick players to kind of catch yes. them on the break. And I can see, absolutely can see the logic to that. But he just executed so badly. Um, and then, obviously, Italy get a goal back, goes to uh, extra time, out of time, and he brings on, kind of famously, brings on Sancho and Rashford. Two notoriously quick players. 
Yes. They could have been brought up, like, you know, if you're bringing them on for penalties, whatever, but like, they also could have done the job in normal time, I think, mm-hmm. with their, with their, just yeah. with their pace Absolutely. and running. 100%, yeah. Um, and to bring them on with that amount of pressure at the end, I think, is what did it for them. And you'll probably agree with me there, um, or yeah. you'll add to that, you know, when we're talking I, about I will that. later on the show, yeah, it was, because um, it was absolutely terrible. Like, I, I saw that whole kind of, oh, yeah, get the quick players on when they're all tired, but he never brought them on. He brought, no. on, Jordan, he brought on Jordan Henderson. Sorry, he had a wing back situation, which resulted yeah. purely in a goal because it was wing back to wing back. Then sat back. Then Italy scored. Then he brought on Henderson, went to a 4 3 3. Did one other, two other like for like subs. Yes. And then <laughs> it seems like he was playing for penalties the instant the Italian scored. And I'm going, yeah. why are you playing for penalties? Stop playing for fucking penalties. Have you, bear not, in mind seen, as well. have you not seen the size of Donnarumma? Like, yeah. <laughs> why are you not playing win. for penalties? Like, this guy's not going in there, yeah. Like, just, bear in mind as well. Incredible. Bear in mind that Mancini has already played his hand here. He's already made three of his subs, and it was much of the point that I was going to say later on. But I bring it up now. This final was the tale of two managers, right? Is a tale of someone who's genuinely brilliant at his job, like one of the best in the world, and does not get the credit he deserves. And then there's a guy who's nicking a living. And I don't hate Gareth Southgate as a person. I think he's a brilliant human being. I think he's the best type, best personality to have in an England footballing role. The problem is that when it comes down to the nitty-gritty, when you want people to win things, you need a ruthless streak, you need know-how, and Southgate doesn't have that. He can immobilize a team, he can immobilize a country and all that sort of shit. But here's the thing, lads. He's not the fucking prime minister. And you can't, no matter how much you wish he wants to be a fucking like Labour candidate fighting Boris Johnson barehanded, he's not. He is a football manager. And when it comes down to it, you need to know how to win. And Roberto Mancini had the know-how. Brought on Bernadeschi, brought on Berlotti, Brought on, uh, took off Chiesa when he had to. Made the right, made the tough decisions. Made the right substitutions. And here's the thing: all those guys and tell tell the two managers, Belotti, Bernadeschi, they were on the penalty shootout. Bernadeschi scored a penalty. It's yeah. not that fucking hard. And Verratti as well. Yeah, he, t- he took off Verratti because Verratti was just fucked. He was like, yeah. he can't run anymore. So he had to take him same yeah. same with the reason he brought off Chiesa. Chiesa was fucked. He couldn't, yeah. he couldn't run anymore, so he had to take them off. Whereas, like, Southgate was just like, no, I can't take people off. I can't take, I can't take Kane off. I can't take, oh, I can't take any of them off. And I was going like, no, stop being so fucking precious. Play your fast players. Get the kids on. Like, you're going to yeah. trust them to take fucking penalties in the shootout in the final. You have to do trust it, yeah. them to play in the final. Like, it was absolutely ridiculous. Why take Henderson? Why taking Henderson off? Oh, I'll get to that later on. I'm taking so Henderson off because Henderson went off. I was going like he's easily one of your best penalty takers. Yeah, but he was a former. He used to take penalties for Liverpool. He's he is um, like Liverpool are spoiled for choice. Liverpool with penalty takers. He's like technically fifth choice. But yeah, he's still behind Salah and Salah, Milner, Mane, fucking Firmino. Like I mean, mm. you know, it's different for us. But again. With England, and before like, that, he was behind Gerard and places. Gerard like, as well, yeah. yeah. So it's like learning from the fucking best, like you know what I mean. So like when it came to that, then obviously England, like the the hubris was was mighty. But like in in the end, and I'm sure we all agree, lads, Italy were rifle winners, like no doubt. Absolutely, yeah, definitely. Like no, they just they got the England got the tactics completely wrong. They should have just gone for it, not sat back. Um, yeah, I feel they could have they could have taken the Italians because like. Yeah. I was I was half expecting 
fucking the Italians teams to implode after the like after the quickest goal in European uh, Championship history. Um, oh, I was expecting this to be. I was going, oh my god, they're going to absolutely fucking slaughter them. <laughs> Holy shit! This is going to be awful. Like, and then and they, they just took the off the pedal. Totally yeah. took the foot off the pedal. Mancini made three subs to get to kind of rest the midfield back. Yeah. And then Jesus Bonucci fucking equalized it. Uh, and yeah, and why were they playing? Like, Italy happily played for penalties. And you can see yeah. why. It's easy yeah, to see why. It's, an it's easy to see why. Like, why England were doing that? I was like, go at them, get them. You don't want penalties. Stop playing for penalties. <laughs> you don't want to. Oh. So, all, in all I, fairness, now Pickford did really fucking well. Like, if you're if you're saving two pa- if you're saving two penalties in I'm a super penalty. your team should win. Yeah. Um, if you've saved two, like nobody's looking at you. Like you can hold your head high. Yeah, absolutely. What that's worth. Yeah, to his credit. But um, but like I said, uh, very much, very much has been a running theme of the uh, of the tournament has been like as many stories on the pitch as off the pitch, and. Um, I think it's fair to, to when we're starting off handing our call out for um, for this tournament that we start off with Burkbot because uh, yep. I'm yeah, going to hazard a guess that you have a, a bigger favourite for our pick here. Yeah, um, so we're talking about um, the match happening in Wembley and we're talking about the match. Outside of Wembley though, um, the English fans were rioting. To, not rioting, but just having fun, lads. Lads out having fun, but it's terrifying for women and children and any men who aren't gobshites. Uh, but it's just lads. It's fine. They're breaking in and stealing people's seats, but it's fine. They're just lads. They're sticking flares up their arse and endangering people <laughs> with uh, flying bottles and flares. It's fine. Just lads. Um, uh, it, it, the scenes that were unfolding outside Wembley were just absolutely... Um, abysmal and um, I'm sure everyone who's listening to this have seen either pictures or video footage so I'm not going to go into detail about everything that was put up there but it kind of just I think got the old the the English people themselves to kind of have a good look at themselves because Mm. you know a lot of them you know like I don't understand why is everyone anyone but England that that is why most people in sports context say anyone but England. There's a whole lot of geopolitical reasons people are anyone but England, but sticking to just the football, it is uh, it is purely like that, that fan culture, that toxic masculinity, that toxic barbarianism. Mm. Um, it, they, they ruin events uh, at the best of times when they get into these venues. And the, now even when they didn't have tickets to get in, they still managed to ruin it for people. And um, the English FA have to look at the culture around their team and they need to, like, uh, it's not, I suppose it's a political thing and kind of a cultural thing in England as well, but definitely if any of those faces can be recognised as being in supporters clubs, they need to be kicked out and that's the only way that that's going to stop these, I don't even know if it will stop it to be honest, but it's the only way of kind of uh, maybe preventing more people joining in, I don't know. Mm. Um uh, there was a great article written by uh, Quivo O'Neill. Quivo O'Neill, yeah. On the, uh, the Athletic. There's also, um, she, she kind of looked at it from the um, 
feminist kind of point of view where you know she was a woman and you know and genuinely felt fearful for herself um and then you there's also all of the articles as we will you know suppose mentioned with um the three lads who missed their penalties all being black and I turn around and as soon as Saka whatever about the two Man United players missing their penalties I knew that there was either going to be a weight of importance put on this penalty for Saka because he was a third black man in a row to miss a penalty and Mm. I knew, I knew looking at that, I went, he's just gone, they, they are going to get abused. But obviously, my my heart belongs to Saka. I feel so maternal towards him. Um, and yeah, um, just the toxic racism and sexism that's rampant in it. And it's, it's part of the reasons a lot of people are not engaging with football and they're turning to other sports with kind of cleaner fans, you know. Mm. Um, and yeah, it's just... You know, it shouldn't be a talking point at all. It should be, um, I know Ireland and England were putting in a joint bid to get the, yeah, yeah. Uh, like, I can't imagine that they're going to look at the policing that was done for that and say, yes, you're totally equipped. And look at Ireland over there. They definitely have their COVID situation sorted. They're great <laughs> at organising stuff. Um, yeah, and that that's my cod because it was infuriating that football wasn't, we didn't get to enjoy the fact that England lost. Yes. I think they t- that was all taken away from us because I immediately felt utter horror for the three lads. And I'm not a fan. Uh, I don't think Rashford's a particularly good player. I think he's an amazing idol off the pitch. Mm. Jaden Santo, he's a great player. I don't know much about him personally, but he's a Man United player, so I don't really have to care about him. But Saka, obviously, I have that um, the love and adoration that a mother would have for a son. And uh, <laughs> he, uh, I, I just felt good for him. And I didn't get to enjoy England losing because the fans were so horrific. Absolutely. Um, and that's my piece out. And she's dropping the mic so. on that, lads. Dropping uh, the mic on that. Yeah, no, yeah. that's one. Um, my card will be on the opposite side of that. Okay. UEFA will be my one. You wait for now, right? Yeah, okay. horrendously spineless fucking stance on LGBTQI rights and oh yes, the whole like, the way they just sucked up to Orban in Hungary, uh, so fucking much and like racist, homophobic fans openly in stadiums. Like, how can you let them host this shit? Like, this is this is awful. This is fucking awful. You know, it's like. And but instead, what you did was how do you like to host the semis in the final? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'll be okay with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely joking. Like, um, mm. just, the, my thing about it was the double was the double standards because obviously, like in in some of the group stages in the uh, in the group F, we were talking about earlier on with Hungary, there were like they were visibly seen to do Nazi salutes, and there was homophobic chanting and racist chanting in the match against France. They had seen like the the banners against the Portugal game. They had seen all this, and the, and the postcast arena was particularly bad because obviously, um, like I said, they're all in Budapest. So like you can see these happening. They're there. You, you know you can't ignore them. And the hilarious thing about it is that then when Germany decided like you know what fuck you, we're making a statement uh, and um, light up the Allianz Arena in the uh, in the rainbow colors, and you ever went no, that's a political statement. I was like really. So having a whole lot of black shirts 
and fas- fascists allowed in the in the crowds yeah. doing Nazi salutes. That's not a political statement, you know. And it got so much fucking worse from there because UEFA very much realized they had fucked themselves here and they were digging themselves into a hole. So they wouldn't I allow. I think you're giving them far too much credit in that regard. I just don't think they give a fuck. No, just, really no, don't think they give a fuck. No, I like when I, you said, I, oh, they dug themselves into a hole. I don't think they care. No, I don't. I don't yeah. think they care either, for what it's worth. But what I, what, the reason I'm saying that was because I found it so funny that, like, after this song and dance about the Alliance Arena not being allowed to to do rainbow colours, and the actual like advertisement for Volkswagen were all in rainbow colours through the entire tournament. So you're allowing a brand that's sponsoring your your tournament to do whatever it wants, but then one of the teams that's taking part that's actively showing diversity and all that sort of stuff. No, that's a political statement. It's like, well. Make your fucking minds, you know, kind of way. Like I said, they didn't care and they don't, there's no one in UEFA that's actually intelligent enough to make that call, to be nuanced enough to say, this is wrong, this is right, this is what you should allow, this is what you shouldn't, and go from there. There's literally just nobody in UEFA willing to tackle that. And considering that, like, you've had the races, like, we are um, uh, respect and, uh, you know, we're fighting racism all on their banners and all on their captain's armbands and shit like that. They were just shown up to be complete fucking liars in a sense that he didn't really care. It was a brand thing all along. That's all it was. And we're not surprised. None of us are surprised mm-hmm. at this. You know, if you wonder why, like, why fucking like footballers don't come out, this is why they have no support in the end of the day. There's not, there's yeah. not one football federation willing to back them. You know, when June comes around, oh, we'll do the rainbow laces, no problem. Happy days. We'll sell a few of them. That's it. Like, you know, it's, it's, that's, that's all I care about in the end. And uh, he was really showing up in that match, to be fair. But, um, but yeah, like, kind of on that point, like, um, like, because you weren't, we weren't, you weren't here for the hungry chat, Neil. Like, the, the hilarious, the hilarious thing about it was that, like, um, the fact that, like, the, the match did hinge on the result against Germany. And for the longest time, Hungary looked like they were going through in spite of Germany. And then just that late last minute equalizer. One of my favourite moments from that match is Goretzka, who scored a winning goal, showing the love heart symbol to all the black shirts that were in the in the building yeah. in in the Allianz Arena. And I think like yeah, that is not that people, UEFA should be showing that in a sense should be that should be your prevailing message from UEFA from from the Euro twenty twenty one. It won't be of course for different for obvious different reasons, but that should be something that no one should forget. The fact that like in the end that's that's the message you want to come across. And again, it's it's a bit harsh to the hungry players because none of them, not, not all of them, are are politically inclined that way. They're just along for the ride and they're, and they're trying to represent their country as best they can. But at least they're aware of that element, you know, kind of way. The likes of like Willy Orban, who's the hungry captain, and uh, Peter Galashki, the goalkeeper, coming out and making statements saying that they would happily wear like the the pride colours and stuff like that because they they live in other countries. They they live in Germany. They know what it's like, you know. In Hungary, it's obviously weird with the far right movement, but and the far right parties in charge, you know, it's it's a different story in the rest of the world, and they do recognise that, you know. So I think it's it's important to say that. Um, but I think we all had a little bit of pleasure in seeing Hungary knocked out. So the same. <laughs> I think we're all very happy. I'd, with that. I'd much more than a fucking little bit. Yes, very much so. Very much so. And um, so yeah, we'll wrap up with these cards then with my take. And uh, as uh, Burpo was alluding to earlier on, um, I'm going to talk about Gareth Southgate. So <laughs> I want everyone to calm down. I like Gareth Southgate as a person. I think he's a very an absolute gentleman. I think he's a generally one of the nicest guys in football. 
I think he is a very good ambassador for English football as it is. I think he's genuinely a good man. Like from 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 everything I know about him, he stands for a lot of things that are right. He stands for the right things. And the thing about that is that the English FA will eat that up because they'll just push the Garcia and go, look at how nice our manager is. And then I can push back and say, yes, but let's look at now how he lost your best chance at the trophy in 55 years. So again, I said in the final, at home, no less. At home as well. So there were fatal flaws in Southgate's team from the start. And we, we kind of touched about it, about it before we took our break. But if we were doing a preview, we would have gone into depth about it. The, the fact that there was such a song and dance about the right-back situation and how they wanted to set up a team was 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 pathetic, in my opinion. The best two in, English right-backs, for me, are Reese James and Trent Alexander-Arnold. Those are the best two. If you needed to whittle it down to two, those are the two you bring. If you want to bring someone like Trippier for, for cover, fair enough, because Trippier has had a fantastic season for Atletico. Kyle Walker should not be on the, be, on the, on the plane, for my, in my opinion. I think he's completely depreciated this season and should not be on the plane. And then it came to like the fact that like from from that point on, England had then like put themselves in a bit of a foxhole where they could only play pragmatic players. Their midfield was the likes of like, and again, they they've put themselves in the hole here, where they said no to the likes of Madison and Ward Prowse, and two genuine options. Striker wise, they just went with Kane in this tournament. Even I'm like not taking Ward Prowse, even just to give them a dead ball option. Like you look at that team, and there is no dead ball specialist. Maybe. Because they, 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 they removed the three ones that he could have had. They didn't bring James. They didn't bring Trent Alexander Arnold, and they didn't bring fucking Ward Prowse. Look, who's their free kick taker now? Mount, Rice, Kip Phillips. Like, who's their Kane? Is their fucking free kick taker? Like, it was just never an option for them. Insane. It was insane to me that they never gave themselves the choice. Look at the Italy squad. Of course, I'm sure there was a song that dance locally about who should go, get on, get in the team. But that team that he brought makes sense. That is the best Italy team they could have brought, you know? You, um, look, you look at that team and there's a plan. And you can, uh, go to, whether or not you agree with the plan or not, there is, you can't say there is no plan. Yeah. Whereas it's the same with the, with the England team. He was like, like with the first couple of games when he was playing Trippier at right back. Hmm. Um, or he's playing, he's playing him, yeah, you trying to say you're playing him at left back. I'm going, like, what are you doing? Like, yeah. like, you just totally hamstrung the entire left side of your fucking field, the left mm. side of your pitch. Here's, here's my little curiosity on that, right? Is it was probably points towards how good a man manager Southgate is that this doesn't blow up on him. But how do you communicate that with the team? Like, you've taken along two specialist left backs in Trippier and in John Cresswell or sorry Shaw and um, Chilwell were the two you Chilwell, brought along Chilwell. Yeah. and Shaw and Chilwell but you're going to pay Trippier in their place and the only way I can the only way I can kind of rectify that in my head is thinking Mings plays on that side and Trippier is more defensively minded than either Shaw or Chilwell who just bomb forward like they're meant to Mm. And I'm thinking, oh, that's probably why. So, like, how do you communicate? How do you turn around to the like Shaw and Chilwell and go, well, I'm gonna not feel you. I'm gonna feel the right back in the upper division because he'll cover uh, the centre back better than you will. You know, and also, how do you say that to Mings as well? It's like, well, I trust you so little. I'm going to completely destroy. I'm. I'm just basically gonna hope Saka can run an entire left flank on his own. 
Yeah. Uh, because I'm going to field a right back in the left back position because he'll cover you better. That's it. Like, I, I found it so frustrating that the England team built such a dependence on certain players. Like, the fact like that you said, was never taken off. I was just going like, he really needed, he had to come off in that Italy game. He yeah. just had to, but he because they were playing for penalties. Yeah, even um, before that, even in the Denmark game, he was shot like. I mean, oh, he terrible. Like he was absolutely. He had an awful. Day. Like the Italy game, he had no touches inside the Italian box. None, none, none whatsoever. No, I'm so because he didn't. Like there, there, were, uh, there was a there was a joke with the fucking commentators that when I when I was watching the game, they were so good the commentators like oh, as Kane went up to take his penalty. It's like, oh, this will be the first time he'll have touched the ball, the ball in the Italian box. I was yeah. <laughs> like, holy fuck, they're actually right. But this sounds my point, that like, Southgate actively didn't give himself options. Like, how many strikers did he leave at home? Like, he didn't, like, Calvert-Lewin was in the squad, but he was never on the bench. No. He never picked Calvert-Lewin. Um, Danny Ings, after the season he had, okay, maybe he's not international standard, but he's a fucking option to bring on. Give him a goal, like Callum Wilson. Also the same way. There are so there are some good well, players. Thing is, thing is with players like Ings, like if you're not going to bring Ings because you want to bring useful players that you know are going to be in the squad rotation for like yeah. decades on end. I get that. I get that. But you have to play those players that you're taking instead of him. If that's you, true. If you yeah. Understand, like, yeah. Oh, totally understand. Howard Lewin didn't even play. So like, why did you bring him? You're not going away. And this is my question: Why did you bring Chilwell if you're just going to bring have Trippier play his left back? Why did you bring Henderson, who I think, by the way, has been the biggest fucking, like, the biggest disrespect of this group whatsoever. Now, granted, there's a big song announced about Trent, and, like, his that's not going to be his last tournament, so he's obviously going to play at some point. But look at the players that Southgate is kind of losing here. You know, you know, kind of way, like, Colin Hudson and Doy, um, okay, not the best season for Chelsea, but he's just gone to, he's, he's switching to Ghana. He doesn't want yeah. to play for England anymore. So, like, and Saka now, to his credit, like they, they nailed down Saka with a few with the with the um, with the caps now, so they can't get him. But they're very close to losing Saka to Nigeria. So yeah. this is a this is a pattern that's happening. Um, and I just couldn't get over the fact that like their default set option was to play seven defensive players in the team and just leave everything to Mount and Kane and whoever else is up front. I was thinking like you have. Sterling. I understand why Sterling always because whatever Southgate does with Sterling, Sterling well, plays brilliantly for England. I will not deny that. I'm thinking yeah. he's had like a crazy amount of goal assists, uh, like goal involvements, what we're calling them now. He's an insane amount. So I understand why like people were always going, Oh, is it Grealish or Sterling? Is it Mount or Sterling? Or I was like, fuck it, no, play Sterling. It should be like, hmm. Am I playing Kane or not? Like, get him off the pitch. He was terrible. He had a woeful season for Spurs. Horrible, yeah. And he, like, he was just kind of like, why? Like, it's for the first games. You could just see, this guy is not at the races. Mm. Bench him. Fucking bench him. It's I could like Shearer where, like, all right, yeah. then fine. If Shearer is not firing on all cylinders, at least if you can get the ball to him, he'll do something with it. But Shearer, like, Shearer at least moved to get the ball. Kane doesn't even do that. He drops way too far back. Completely yeah. nullifying any part. Like he can strike the ball really, really well, really, really sweeping. That's hilariously why Roy Hodgson had him taking corners. Oh man, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, kind of like, but if he's like 70 yards away from the opposition goal, I don't give a fuck how well he strikes the ball. If he's not in the, in the action, like you can't get him. So what, do you, what, do you, what, are, you, what are you trying to achieve there? Okay, well, I, said, I could not get him. And, and I, I, I may have said this to you at the time, but. 
I always had this belief in my mind that like England should have won the Euros. I think they were the favourites going in because if you look at that team, if you look at the attacking options they had and the moxie, the actual like the options they had, how could they not win? In a sense, like in the same way, I mean, the same argument they had to get for Portugal. They had so many good options, and they just never really availed of them, especially in the midfield. That's where Portugal went wrong for me. They didn't use yeah. the likes of Neves and relied on like Daniel, too many defensive mid- players in the midfield, and didn't like yeah. try someone with some creativity. And England was that problem as well. They actively choked out their own midfield to promote Sterling and Mount. It's like, what do you I, need? I, I, thought was, I thought the, the England team just provoked just such hilarity in the German press. Everything again, we mentioned them earlier on was Raphael, Raphael Honig's point. Honestly, yeah. And there's just he just wrote like every single podcast he was on, uh, a lot of articles he wrote, it was just constantly like, Why isn't Southgate fielding Sancho? I'm like, all right, then fine. If you don't want to feel Bellingham, I can kind of get it. He's mm. ridiculously young, fucking stupidly good, but I can I can understand the Bellingham. I don't agree with it, but I, I can see the reasoning behind it. But why aren't you fielding Sancho? He's just gone to fucking Manchester United for 75 million quid and plus a whole rake load of options that you know are going to bump that up. And just so like, he is a fucking incredible, like if Germans have been watching this guy week in, week out and just going, this guy is fucking incredible. Like, the, the, yeah. the, their biggest surprise is that he only went for 75 million. Yeah, that's, that's the thing. Like, he's, he's he's surprised, yeah. he gets, gets into the squad for the national team and they're shitting themselves. They're like, oh my God, this guy's going to run shit down. He is going to lock it down. This is great. But then he doesn't play for the first, what, three or four matches? Yeah, the, the, the first game, the only game he starts is the one against Ukraine. Yeah, and he wins the start against Ukraine. Literally their weakest opposition. Yeah. I'm like, ah, oh, here. I can, I can feel the German kind of pundits pain. Well, not pain, but I can, I can feel their confusion. I was like, yeah. No, they, I, they I must totally understand it. They must have just sat there laughing. Going, Holy shit. When they were looking at who they were playing, like, instead of Sancho, becoming like, how, how good do you think these people are that they're keeping Sancho on the bench? Yeah. And it's, like, it made no sense. None of it made any sense. I, I think the hill that Southgate's going to die on was the distinct lack of using Jordan Henderson. And I, I, for what it's worth, I don't... The one thing, <laughs> compared to him and Roy Hodgson, because obviously Hodgson was, was there before with the last Euros, the one good call that Hodgson ever made in England was making Henderson the, club, the team captain was making him the yeah. national captain. And this is around the time when like when Henderson was was obviously uh taken over from uh from Gerard as captain as well. And it looked like a bit of a strange decision at the time. But then when I look at how like how let's face it like Gerard didn't win the Premier League with Liverpool. Jordan Henderson did. And yeah. that's not that is not by accident. Yes, of course he has a bigger team around him, but you need the bigger personalities. You need the leadership there. And a Jordan Henderson is the leader in a team that includes James Milner, Virgil van Dijk, Alison Becker, Andy Robertson. Like, there's a fucking reason he has that armband. And the sheer fact that, like, you think that Harry Kane is a better leader, I cannot get my fucking head around that. Honestly, like, out of all the club captains in the, in the Premier League, Harry Kane is the one that doesn't match. Like, legit, like, he, he looks to be, like, he may be the lieutenant, he might be just a sound lad to work at, but I wouldn't give him the captain's armband. And mm. I thought, like, especially when they were getting to certain points in tournaments, like in the match against Denmark, very much lacking leadership. And that Dem- that England team started to click a lot more when Henderson came on because they switched the formation. They were 4-3-3. They were starting to play the ball a little bit better. And they-, they won the game out of it in the end with a penalty. But in the Italy game, the fact that you left it so late to bring Henderson on and 
didn't give him a, a role. Okay, granted, it was Anderson was pretty bad, I'll be honest. But he was played at a position. He took him off again. He took him off again. But Henderson was being played on the on the left. Was he on the left? No, he was on the right of midfield. And Henderson has famously been kind of like central, if you know what I mean. He's been like central right, central right on the uh, in the Liverpool team. So that's what he's used to. And he played him like kind of like wide right and want him to feed either Walker or Sterling or at the time. Yeah, it was Sterling at the time. And I'm thinking like, why are you doing that? Henderson is the midfield general. You get him into the midfield, get him stuck in, get him to command fucking Rice and Phillips to have to, to use their brains and pass it around. That's what Henderson does. He's a communicator. He's the leadership. And he just or at the very didn't... least, if you're and at the very least, if you're playing for penalties, he can take a fucking good penalty. Disrespect, complete and utter fucking disrespect. Like I get it. Listen, sometimes some people will do that to take people off for penalties. But how on earth did you think that the likes of a, of nineteen year old Saka, Sancho, who I will say like his shooting is not the best in terms of like dead ball, like as in like from from zone to sixty, his 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 shooting is not the best. He's a tap in artist, which is good. It's fine. For penalties, you want someone a bit more like definitive, like Mac- like Maguire's penalty. But whoever made the call on the penalties was the wrong one. Whoever made the, pen- the call on the team initially was the wrong one. This England team should have won the Euros if you picked the right team, if you picked the right squad, and if you let them play the right way. Not this horrible, defensive, pragmatic, we must get to the final by any means fucking necessary. And the further proof of that is look at that Italy side. Italy a reputation of being a pragmatic defensive side that gets to the final at all costs. And now one of the most attacking sides in Europe. But do you know why? Because of the fucking manager. That's the effect you can have. And do you know what? They fucking bottled it in the end. And Italy were rifle winners. England should have had this tournament hand over fists. But in the end, all things considered, considering that most of their fans are complete fucking bellends, um, it's probably the right call in the end that they didn't win. In fact, mm. it was even sweeter that the fact that they lost it on home ground in penalties... To the better side. He's like, yes, that's it. That, that's somehow poetic. Let's just hope that no one got racially attacked in that time. But they, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so after all that, then we, we have to dish out our cards. Um, I'll be honest, I can't see past the England fans. No, uh, can I? Neither can I. Like, I mean, I, I've had my rant about Southgate. I'm happy now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I will say one thing that was good about the England fans, right, and their shenanigans to carry on. One good thing is that it kept me off the internet for a good few days because I mm. first logged on after the game and saw, like, uh, an image of a man being held in a wheelbarrow position while somebody inserted a lit flare, consensually yes. Yes. inserted a lit, that's important, lads, consensually inserted a lit flare into his arsehole and I just switched off and went you know what I'm good I've got to switch I'll just play that I, yeah, I, I yeah. got off the internet the off on PC yeah. and uh, yeah like you know I went you know I've had a game of ball with my daughter and uh, you know I, I, I enjoyed life I, I stayed away yeah. I literally I literally stayed off my computer except for work of course I literally stayed off my computer for three days nearly I was so I was like no, I just yeah. That, that's one thing we can say about the England fans is that they were an example to the rest of the world, and it's further proved that yes, people are having are shitter people than you are. That you can think that sticking a flare of your ass is a good idea, and in, in fairness, is there not a better summary of an England fan than a flare of the <laughs> ass? And then turning around and hoofing a lot of powder, like in front of said like uh, I don't know. Unreal. It was a good day Unreal. for good day for good day for Trafalgar Square drug dealers. I'd say they. It was actually yeah. They they made their money out of it to be to their credits. And the gas, the hilarious thing about it is that like 
there seems to be such a I, I've never seen the fans and the players have such a cultural disconnect in a sense where like all the players are on board like yeah no, yeah. I mean we're, we're all a, a multinational fucking team of course Isn't we're going to say that his dad got injured in one of the fucking his, his dad got was involved in a stampede and had his, and, yeah. and broke his ribs Jesus Christ <laughs> like what is wrong with them as, as a like, culture uh, fucking... what is wrong with the English like honestly <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. All the fucking civilised brutes this side of the fucking Visigoths like honestly there's something wrong with them but Either way, and again, it is a gas thing is like they could have been in such a celebratory move. They could have all been celebrating the fact that they all just like, you know, stop being massive fucking racists. But no, they just actually couldn't stop. They couldn't resist the urge to just throw monkey emojis at Bakri Saka. And yeah, you deserve to and fucking Sancho lose. That. And Rashford, like, yeah. just... Honestly, ridiculous. But look, listen, it's it's in a way it, it worked out in the end with it with the rifle team Italy. And let's be fair, let's let's not, let's not forget, by the way, Italy were like the the, the first real kind of European country to hit COVID and they were ravaged. They lost so many people to the disease when we weren't even thinking about it at the time. Yeah. Like yeah. an entire like uh, elder generation in certain towns are wiped out because of this, like Bergamo in particular. And if, if anything, it seems so poetic now that rightfully they won a football tournament, not as maybe not as a tribute, but it seems right that they did win a tournament it's when also, things are back to normal. It's also great to see the journey they've had under Mancini. Yes, because he, he took the job three years ago and they were in the fucking pits. Yep. And people were asking him to go, Where do you see this Italian team? And he immediately just went, Winning titles, winning world championships, winning European tournaments, where mm. we should be. I will take us there. You know, he's like, It's going to yes. be difficult, but I will get us there. Just like we we can't be here. We can't be crashing out of fucking qualifiers. Not qualified. Didn't qualify for the last one. Yeah, the you first know? time he ever failed to qualify for a World Cup. Unheard of. And he's just like, no, this can this will not stand. And he just came back and he took him and he's got Viali as his assistant. Mm. Um, so you've got basically two fucking head cases <laughs> with two best friends, it, which is as it should be for yeah. the Italian team because they are all mental. This is why uh, I love. This is what I love about the team. Best possible way. I loved it. I fucking loved it. Yeah. Watching them fucking do it and just going from like three years ago when they're not qualifying for a World Cup to winning a Euro. I was like, yes, yeah, do that. That's how you do it. Uh, look, and it, 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 some seriously good players like your man Spinazzola. I feel so fucking sorry for like he really should be like at an elite tier. Right? Like, I know he's at a very good club now, but he really needs to be at like an elite tier club, winning Champions Leagues. Earning 250 grand at least a week. Yeah. But he's just so injury prone. He just cannot do it. It's so fucking like, I don't know what's wrong with his body. And uh, every time he's injured, like, particularly with this European tournament, like, he was fucking electric. Like, he made a lot of games at the a lot of teams at the tournament, despite the fact that he wrecked him, wrecked his Achilles, chasing down Thorgan Hazard against the Belgians yeah. in the quarters like and just didn't play again and people kind of with all the furor people kind of forgot about him mm. it really shouldn't have because he's fucking he's a brilliant fucking player he's a really good player absolutely and, and, and that's what he, like, like, Italy lost so much when he stopped they did they did oh. but the thing is like they had they had they had the backup like I mean Emerson had a very good term with that when he took over which is surprising because he's such a a non-commodity at Chelsea which is so bizarre but even then, like, but there was players that you could always latch on to, like Chiellini at, like, fucking, like, 37, like, being the fucking, like, master of the dark arts and stuff like that. Like, he, he was having a great tournament. Donnarumma was 
was obviously on great form. Lockett Kelly was having an amazing time. He looks like he yeah. could have been having any more fun if he tried. He yeah. fucking striking out Jordi Alba at the fucking the Spanish. Oh, I was so fucking good. I, I was because like, you could just see it written on Alba's face. He he actually looks like he wants to vomit. He's so fucking nervous. <laughs> Where's Kelly? Jelani. I think there was a mix because there's two coin tosses with penalty. It's like yes, the first coin tosses which end, and the second coin tosses who goes first. Mm. And then apparently the first coin toss, they both pointed at their own end. And like that's when he's like, oh, you fucking liar. Ah, ah. He's nearly punching Alba in the face. Like, Alba just wants to puke. He just wants to go home. He's just like, this guy is fucking insane. And the pressure. And mm. I really want to go home. I just want to go home. Like, if you, if you let me go home, I'll just go. I, I won't even <laughs> just let me go home. I'll even leave my jersey here. I don't give a fuck. Like, <laughs> that's it. Yeah, no, fuck it. Like, but, it, but yeah, like, but the Italy team are full of stories like that. Like, I mean, there's like, again, Chiesa was a fucking brilliant tournament for him. Like, and showed like how good he can be. Just give him the ball and let him run. Like, um, Locatelli, like, the the one of the early stars of the tournament. They kind of like was saving the bench for most of it. Um, in the end, but yeah, it's um, it's mad. Um, two things a little bit the Italy side. Um, before we wrap up. Because again, we, we want to end on a nice note. Let's not end on racism and homophobia like we normally do. Um, my two favorite things about the Italy side is one, um, in the group stages, Roberto Mancini um, uh, took off the likes of Donnarumma to bring on Salvatore Sirigu uh, and their second other back of goalkeeper, who's um, was, uh, was a proto or was it Merit? I can't remember. I think it was Merit. Um, and brought them on uh, basically uh, in the dead world match against uh, Wales, I think it was. And basically, um, in that group stage is essentially people notice that every member of the Italian team had played at least one game. And the reason for that was, was that when Mancini himself was in the Euros uh, as a player, he was the one player that wasn't able to play um, because he wasn't picked by the Italian manager and they knocked out, got knocked out early. So he just saw that as a great way of basically getting like, like free morale, essentially. Everyone has had a game in the Euros. Everyone's kind of like been part of the team. And I genuinely just love that. My other second part, favorite thing about it was the fact that like it was Mancini and Viali to win it in, in in a sense because these two guys have been like inseparable since their time in Sampdoria, and more specifically, Viali had only recently um, finished survived his battle against pancreatic cancer, um, so the fact that he was able to fight cancer, come back to uh, Italian football, take on the coaching role with um, with Mancini, and the two of them together being able to win the Euros. Um, as, a, as, a, as a brotherhood as a, as a brothership in a sense it's just a wonderful story and that's what that's what football can do you know you can get lost in the romance of it like, and that's what kind of England lost. lost England lost the romance of it because they were too desperate to win whereas they could have been like Italy and just said like yeah let's give Sancho let's give Bellingham a, a, a game let's, let's everyone join in let everyone be a team England didn't they relied on five players and lost pretty much yeah so um so guys yeah that's it then and um, that is our euros roundup and um, so uh thank you very much for listening i hope you enjoyed that podcast as much as we did and um, we will be back very very soon though because uh we will um we have a small matter of the premier league returning in about a month's time indeed uh, you are muted neil unfortunately for some reason I think you. I think the the baby may have plugged out your mic again. <laughs> we'll get him back now in a minute. But yeah, we we have the small matter of the uh, of the Premier League returning, so we will be back uh, very soon to preview that and uh, very much uh, be 
completely inaccurate with our league predictions, like we always are. I mean, there isn't a year we're not inaccurate about it. Yeah, indeed, you're, you're absolutely right, Neil. I still can't hear a word you're saying. <laughs> it's very strange. There we go. Now I can hear you. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, um, so that's it, guys. Hopefully you enjoyed the show. Um, by all means, if you want to listen to more of the same, if you enjoy what we're doing here, uh, please give us a follow on Spotify uh, with the Monday Madness uh, feed. Uh, if you want to keep track of all we're doing, we are on Twitter at Monday Madness LP. We do far more stuff than podcasts, in case you're interested. We do a lot of video game content and, uh, and uh, reviews by, uh, by our good friend Neil herself, himself. And we've just recently relaunched our um, Pokemon podcast, Jelly Phil Donuts. So uh, get into that when it gets, when it, um, gets released. Uh, and if you obviously want to subscribe to our channel, we would be happily uh, glad to have you because pretty much we're surrounded by Indian sex pests and we could really do with some real people to, uh, to subscribe to our channel. So, <laughs> any, any of your help would be appreciated. But, um, but until then, guys, until we do our Premier League uh, preview, that has been myself, Jonathan. That has been Neil. Um, and that has been burped out earlier on and all of that was liquid football mm-hmm.